Welcome to the Shoreham Sunday Talks podcast. This podcast brings you recordings from Emmanuel at the Shoreham Centre. For the main Emmanuel podcast feed, which has all our preaching series, do check out the Emmanuel Sunday Talks podcast. For more information about the church, site, or how to visit us, go to weareemmanuel.com slash Shoreham. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. If you're still filling your coffee up, that's totally fine. Keep going. Um, I don't know about you, but my new favorite word is Christive. Um, so welcome to our Christive services is what we're going to go. Maybe that's the series for next year. Um, but luckily that's uh, not recorded, so I can't use that again. Um, but hey, it's gift day. It's a celebratory moment. It's a great opportunity for us to come and give into care initiatives. Uh, we've heard a few of the videos over the last few weeks, and that's because it's important to us as a church. And it's not just important to us, it's important to Jesus. And that is why it's important to us, because we catch something of what is important to him. It's important that we look after those in need. It's important we look after those most vulnerable. It's important that we look after the poor in every sense. And so this morning, I want to walk us, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go into Luke chapter 4. Um, and we're going to walk through a moment together in Luke chapter 4. So we'll, we'll have the reading, and then I'll pray, and then we'll jump into it. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All right, let me pray. <clears throat> Jesus, I thank you so much that you, that you love us. You love our lives. You love our circumstances. You love our stories. You love our situations. You have good things for us. You have lavish gifts for us. And I just pray as we look at this scripture together, as we unpack it, I pray, would you help our hearts catch something of your heart? Would you help me to communicate well what you've put on my heart? And that together, as we look at this, we would be excited and encouraged by what it is you have for this community. I pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, let me give you some context. Always helpful. Um, If you've got your Bibles open, you can just flick back a page, depending on the size of the uh, text, uh, into Luke 3. So Luke 3, there's a moment of Jesus' baptism. And so it says this, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. A voice came from heaven and said, You are my son, who I, am lo- who I love. With you I am well pleased. So we've got that moment in Luke 3. Okay, keep going. Stepping into Luke 4, Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Luke 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, as we've just heard, 
left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was, uh, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And then there's a whole load of stuff in the middle where he holds fast to scripture and promises of God. And it ends with, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So we've had Jesus' baptism, full of the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness uh, against all the devil's uh, tries and temptations. He holds strong uh, to, to scripture and to his father. And then in Luke 4, 14, says this, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So that's your backstory. We've had a couple of moments here, key moments leading up to this story that we hear. And he's now back in Nazareth, back where it started for him, back in his hometown. I don't know if you've ever been back to your hometown before. I recently did this in the summer. Uh, we went to Wales, which is where I spent a lot of my years growing up. Um, I went to see my old school and my old house. I remember thinking the playground was definitely bigger than this and the house was definitely bigger than this. And you kind of, you remember things about it that um, aren't true. And you just, so I just wonder, it's funny, you never quite hear this, but in the script, I wonder what Jesus, when he went home, went to, back to his hometown, what would have changed? Uh, what his house would have been like, what the streets would have looked like, what the, even people that were there. Um, I would love to have known just kind of as he's walking in thinking, oh, that's new, oh, that's new. Um, we don't know, but um, I find it fascinating to think about those things because it helps me to put myself in that place, to understand this, not just read, and he went back to Nazareth. You think, what would that have been like for him? I wonder, and you come home, uh, what that feels like for you. Maybe you've had those moments. And so he's, he's now into the synagogue and he's about to teach. This is quite a normal thing. They would invite people to come and take part in the service. Um, and they, if, you re, if you study it and you understand what would happen on those days, they would stand to pray and to read. And then they'd sit to preach, which, to be honest, I might bring in um, because that would be quite nice. Um, although I'd wander too much. Um, and he was known. He was known by people there. If you read Mark's account of this moment, uh, it describes him as the son of Mary. And even in this one, a little bit later on, it talks about Joseph's son. So they knew him. There was a personal connection. And then verse 19, we've got this moment. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. If you know Isaiah, 66 chapters, Counted these this morning, 1,292 verses. Uh, I didn't. Um, and depending on your translation, about 25,500 words. 4% of your Bible. Okay. Um, and so Tom's going to get up here. Come on, Tom. Tom's going to help me. Yeah. Right. Hold on. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, it's probably about there. Okay, so when the scroll was handed to him, in your head, you're probably thinking, oh, nice little one of those scrolls. This is what was handed to him. So just over seven and a half meters of scroll. So when you hear this, and the scroll was handed to him, and he unrolled it and found a bit place where he wanted, this is, it's not that quick. I can't imagine that he scrolled particularly fast. So you can picture this. He's handed and thinks, cheers, guys. I've got to work this out now. And depending on who rolled it last, right, front to back or back to front, could have been a long moment. I wonder if he had someone helping him. Um, so it's about seven and a half meters long. So 66 chapters, we're in 61. So it's probably about here, I'd imagine. And so he's unrolled it to this moment to read to people. Thanks, Tom. It's, it's, uh, it's a really slow moment that's not working. 
Bear with me. Seven and a half meters. Right to the end of that scroll. So you can picture this moment um, in your mind. And he turns to a prophecy about the, the year of the Lord's favor. If you've got your Bibles, flick yourself to Isaiah 61, because that is where Jesus is reading from. And it's a prophecy we now know, if you read it and you've been around for a while and you've been a Christian and studied the Bible, it's it's a, a prophecy we know to be all about Jesus. And so he's reading about himself. So I'm going to read it straight from Isaiah 61 this morning. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he stops. And he sits down. He's got their attention. That's it. All eyes on him. He's read his bit and he sits down. And they have heard all these stories of Jesus teaching and his miracles and the things that he started to do in the other towns. And they are sitting there thinking, come on, give, give me... Give me the big, deep sermon. Give me the long, give me the under, help me to understand this. And so he delivers a nice short sermon. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's the sermon he lands in, the, in that place. And so however short that might be, nine words, it's of huge significance to us today. It's a massive moment. He's saying, just so you know, All the laws, the prophets, he's making a a moment here where he's saying, this is all about me. I am the anointed one. And he's walked, like we just looked at, through Luke 3, Luke 4, into this part. He has walked through a lot to get to this place, into Nazareth. Physically walked through as well. His baptism, his testing. And there's a moment for him as he's walked through this through and he's starting to understand and to see more and more of what God is calling him into. And he knows that he is... He is to play the role of the suffering servant. If you know this story, you know ultimately he is going to die on the cross for us. He is going to take our sins on the cross. He knows he's the anointed one and he's showing them in that moment. And to be honest, this moment here this morning and every time we gather and read and pray and worship and think about him, that he is the one that is going to restore God's people. He's going to restore Israel. Uh, The whole of the world is going to be restored and redeemed through him. And so he's pointing this out in, a very, in nine words. He points this out in a very powerful way. But they don't quite see it. If you know, I'm not going to go into the second half of this scripture. We haven't got time this morning. But they don't necessarily see it straight away. They don't see that standing in front of them is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Standing in front of them is salvation and freedom. They don't see it. But we do. We're on this side of it. We can understand. We can look. We're on this side of the cross, understanding what this moment looks like for them. And so who is this for? Who who is he putting this out about? Who can receive this? And who is he talking about? Well, I want to look at the four categories of people that he talks about. He talks about the poor. Good news to the poor. Do you know that in the UK, estimated 14 and a half million people live in poverty in the UK? It's about 22% of the population. 4.3 million of these are children. This is who he cares about. The blind, 
Over 15 million people in the UK have long-term health conditions, 30% of our population. This is who he cares about. The brokenhearted. I think we would know people or ourselves to have been in situations like this. Maybe you're in one of these right now. Maybe you put yourself in that category. And he talks about the prisoner, people who are in crisis, depression, isolation, loneliness, despair, stuck, feeling like they've got nowhere to go. Maybe that's you this morning or someone you know. And Jesus is saying, hey, I've come for all these people. Not just come for the people who look like they've got it together. In fact, that's not who I've come for at all. I've come for the people who would describe themselves like this. And there's a, there's a beautiful moment. If, you, if you've got your Bibles in Isaiah 61, just read through verse 3 for you. This is the verse after Jesus stops reading. He says this, To grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. They may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. It's just beautiful, wonderful language that are used for us. Picturesque language of the things that Jesus has been anointed to bring and to do. And it, if you take a step back from it and look, you, you'll, you'll start to understand the more I read it and study it, the more you realize that it's not just these people, particularly in the physical sense he's talking about, but if you're a Christian, you'll know for your own heart that spiritually speaking, you are poor, brokenhearted, blind, you're a captive, you're a prisoner. That would, that would have been who you were before you were a Christian. Yet because of Jesus, he's saying, hey, I've come to bring the year of the Lord's favor. That's what he's saying. I've come to give you a beautiful headdress, an oil, the oil of gladness, a garment of praise. I'm going to make you an oak of righteousness. That is what he's come to do, to set free in spiritually and in our lives to set us free of these things. Do you know that today is the day of the Lord's favor? Do you know that? Might not feel like that, but it is. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but I tell you it is. And we know that we live in this world in this kind of now and not yet, where we've experienced and we get to enjoy the riches of heaven and the day of Lord's favor, but we know it's going to be even better for us one day. We can know adoption into the family of Christ into the family of God. We can know blessings here and now this morning for ourselves. That is open and on offer for you because of Jesus. Yet we know, like I said, there's even more to come, right? When we picture that day where we'll see him face to face, when he comes again, you know, we've got the Messiah coming in this story. When he comes again one day, we will see him face to face, the not yet element, the exciting moment where we get to see him again. And that, that sounds, you know, the, we are beneficiaries of his grace. You know, that is one of the amazing truths of putting your faith in Jesus. But what is our, where do we fit in other than that? Is there a part for us to play other than just receiving these amazing things? Well, if you know, and you've been around for a few weeks, we've been in the I am statements of Jesus. Um, one of the ones that we haven't done yet um, is John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Verse four, abide, remain, abide in me, and I in you. That's truth, okay? He's a vine with the branches. We abide in him, and he abides in us. So if we take this as it's written, 
His mission is our mission. His heart is our heart. His heart for the poor, the blind, the brokenhearted, the bound is our heart too. That should, that should be the truth for us. This is why the care projects that we have, the videos we've been watching, the people we're talking about, it's not just about the projects, okay? It's not just about the doing of things. It's about the people that God is bringing to us. That's why they're so important to us. That's why we do gift day. And so if you've got Isaiah 61 open, you'll notice that there's a line that I've missed out in here. There's a line, Jesus stops. The day of the, uh, the year of the Lord's favor, stop. Then I've gone on to read verse three. It's helpful just for us to take a second. When he's talking about the year of the Lord's favor, if you step further back in your Bibles, back to into Leviticus, it talks about the year of Jubilee. This is a reflection. This year of the Lord's favor is a reflection of the year of Jubilee. And if you know what that means, it means that it was when debts were wiped clean and forgiven. That's where we're living now. The day of the Lord's favor, the year of the Lord's favor, where our debts are wiped. We can know our debts, our sins forgiven and wiped clean. Because what's next, what comes next in this, in Isaiah 61, is a final word. The next line is about a day of vengeance, a day of punishment. It's a, it's a big deal. And he stops before he gets to that day because he knows that that day is coming. It's part of the not yet that we see in Scripture. He stops because one day when he comes again, as I've just said, I'm excited. I get to see him face to face, experience him. But on that day, there will be the day of judgment, a day of, of where we are held accountable for our sins before God. We're held accountable for our debts. Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We know that there's a day coming where these shortfalls are going to be counted, where these sins and debts are going to be counted. But on that day, if you're a Christian then, and you've accepted Jesus and you know him and you put your faith in him, you will go and be with him forever. The one who fulfilled the law and the prophecies, we will be with him. We can know the Lord's favor in a totally new way. Where the enemy is defeated, where sin and death are no more. And that's what we want for people around us, right? We don't just want to keep that in here with the, we've got the door shut, but with the door shut um, and hold it to ourselves. We want to be able to proclaim more than that. And so when we're giving money to these things, to these moments, to the care projects, it's about more than what we're seeing on the surface. We get to step into and join in with Jesus' heart for these people to provide care, to provide food, to provide money, to provide well-being, to provide housing. These are the things we get to do as part of this. We get to respond to the importance of helping, but more than just helping, loving these people, the people that God has put around us to support, to be lavish, to be a blessing, to be a family, to be God's community response to need. That's what we get to do. We get to play our part in that. But there's also a need bigger that we want people to know about. There's a need bigger. There's a need for people to know Jesus. And so we know that when we, you know, we're called to be oaks of righteousness. You read it in Isaiah 61. We're called oaks of righteousness. Oaks are long-lasting trees. They're ones that give shelter to those around. They have huge roots. Our roots are in, firmly in Christ, and we're to bring glory to his name. And so as we're raising money and we're going for 
uh, to raise money for these projects. And we're, we're going to give that to food banks, to families, rightly so, to support and to love and to care for those around in our communities. We know that it goes beyond that. We know the seeds of the gospel are starting to be planted in people's lives. When they see how much we care, and we say, oh yeah, this has been bought for you by the church. This has been paid for by the church. This has been funded for you by the church. What does that mean? Just, we love you. You're on our doorstep. You're in our community. Jesus loves you. Here you go. That's a very, we, we can get used to that as Christians, right? But it's a very unusual thing. It speaks huge volumes to people when you give gifts with no expectation. It speaks huge volumes. And as we're doing that, seeds of the gospel begin to be planted. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul's talking, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God brings the growth. So when we're doing this, when we're giving into these things, it's not just another giving moment. For some people, it's oh, another gift day. It can be hard. For some people, it's like another gift day. For some people, like, it's gift day? What? We plant and we water. That's our part to play. We are God's workers and seeing that as we're going, we may not, never see the fruit. I've talked about this before. We may never see the fruit of the planting and the watering because it may be someone we're helping in food bank who would get back on their feet. They get a house. They move. They move into another community and the seeds of the gospel, they say, how did you... How did you get from that place to, well, the church? The church helped me. They gave me a house, they gave me food. Now I'm able to give to other people. Oh, wow. The, the seeds of the gospel begin to be planted outside of our giving. And so even once the money is all spent, that happens, right? We give money, we spend it all, it's gone. What happens? Seeds of the gospel are being planted and watered, and God is bringing growth. Even when we've given out all the food on a Tuesday at Food Bank and we close the doors, it's not the end of it. That's the start of it. What God is going to do with those gifts is phenomenal. And they will continue to grow way after this gift day and the next one and the next one and the next one. Stories and stories and stories of this community and how they've been blessed by the church. So we want to meet practical and financial needs of the community, but we want to point people to Jesus. That's why we're doing this. The one who will meet their spiritual and eternal needs. If you're a Christian, you know that for yourself. You know what it is to be saved by him. What we do is just a glimpse of his heart. I think we I'd find it hard to find someone who doesn't agree that we should help those in need. And we feel a longing for it. And some people, God puts a gift for this in. Some people have to work at it, but we all believe it's true and right, and we see it in Jesus. But his heart for these people that he's talking about here is so much bigger. He's got so much more. Like I said, we read through those moments, a beautiful headdress, oil of gladness, garment of praise, call them oaks of righteousness. Ultimately, he's offering them the chance to have an eternal full life in him. That's what's on offer. And it's a high important calling for us as a church. It's not something we just do every now and again. It's not something we get to be part of. It's 
hugely important. It should be at the heart of why we do these things. We're on a mission with Jesus because his mission is our mission. So maybe after all of this, and we've looked at it, and you've come with a particular thing in your head, maybe you're thinking, oh, maybe I need to think about this a bit more. Maybe I'm not ready to give this morning. Maybe gift day caught you out. Happens to some of us. There'll be other moments to give. If you're not there yet, if you need some time to pray and consider and seek God and catch a glimpse again of his heart for people, then that's okay. Don't give this morning. Take time. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, I'm one of those people that Jesus is talking about. I've literally got nothing to give. Praise God you're here. (laughs) We love having you here. Please don't feel you have to give this morning. Please don't. Maybe your prayer for you is that one day your story would be one where you are able to give to others. But right now, please don't feel you have to give. Important for you this morning, abide in him. Enjoy him. Praise him for who he is, for what he's done. Enjoy him. And if you've got a need, if you're sitting there thinking, I can't give, I've got this huge need that's hanging over my head. There's envelopes and pencils. Write it down. Stick your name on it. Give it to us. This is a seriously generous church. There are people in this room and who aren't here in other sites as well who just love to give and give and give and give and give to support people. We want to know. If you need help, we want to know. Why? Because we want to help. (laughs) Not because of anything else. We're going to put it up on the screen. We're We're not going to do that. You write it down, that'll come to me. We'll find a way through the pastoral team to support you in that. Because it's not just about these moments of giving. It's actually about how, what the giving does and how we serve people. So let the church family help you if you need it. In families, in the house, you know, you can just quickly help me with this. You can help me with that quickly. It's a normal thing. But when it gets into life and business and adults and people... It's like, oh, I don't know if I can ask for help. Yes, you can. (laughs) It's one of the best things you can do. Because the enemy loves you to be isolated, loves you to be stuck, loves you to be imprisoned. And we're saying that's not what Jesus has for you. He has so much more for you. For those that are ready to give, and you're like, come on, be quiet, I'm ready, let's go. Praise God for you. Let me just challenge you, 2 Corinthians 9, each One must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. How are you approaching your giving this morning? If you're like, yes, I'm ready to give so everyone can see me put something in the bucket, don't do it. If you're coming this morning going, yeah, I guess I've got to give this morning because Mike's told me to. No, don't do it. Don't want it. Not interested. Give generously and joyfully. That's what we're called into. Generously for different people looks different. I haven't got time to go into that because the kids are waiting outside. (laughs) Let's do this joyfully, church. Amen? Amen. If you have a need, joyfully write it down because the church will come to your aid because we will help you. If you're not ready yet, joyfully go home and pray about it and think about what God might do and say to you. Let's be a blessing to each other, to the community, Let's catch a heart of Jesus together. Because when we're giving, it's not just money on a screen that we all applaud in like three weeks' time.
That is lives being changed. People seeing Jesus. People being served and cared for and loved. People that probably think they could never be loved, being loved and shown love of Jesus. So that's what we're doing. Come with that heart. Don't come with any other heart. Sit in your chair. Not joking. I'm not interested. I want this church to come with that moment of like, yes, what is God going to do? Not, hey, money in the buck, in the bucket. Woo. Like, no, let's come on. Let's do it. Let's be joyful. Let's bring our praises to him. It's worship to him. He loves you to see your heart. Catch a glimpse of his as we give. Amen. That's me done. Ha, <laughs>